This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. This Friday edition of Benzinga's Pre Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. Earnings parade continues today. I'm looking around for some non earnings headlines. I do see one another uh, fire in California that appears to be linked to PG&E. But aside from that, it is an earnings-heavy day, Amazon being the lead story, obviously. So we'll cover as many of those as we can. Our guest today, Raggy Horner, Forex and currency trading expert for Simpler Forex. She will join us at 8 35, and we'll also do a hot potato segment at the end of the show. Joel, what's the word here overnight? Oh, boy, quiet range here, Spencer. Uh, 3,000, that's your pre-market low, just above your low from Friday, uh, Thursday at 98.75. That's your big level on the downside. On the upside, pre-market high, 09.75. That's nowhere. We just got to get through 30.15 and a quarter. That was Thursday's high on the upside. I will note, this has to be one of the quietest weeks of the year. We have had a little over a 30-point range in the S&Ps. Your low was made on Wednesday at 29.82. Your high was made yesterday at 30.15 and a quarter. Very quiet, setting up some fireworks. I don't know if it's going to be today or tomorrow, but this market is going to move out of this area. Crude in the red by 15 cents at 56.08. Gold over 1500 up 720 at 1511.90. And don't look now, silver's back over $18 up 38.6 cents. Wow, big move for silver. Bitcoin trying to get back to uh, 8,000 up $150 at 7,650. And uh, Triple D, I did not know that you had a ranch in California. I did not know that either. So it's very interesting. Uh, I, apparently, I have a ranch in California. Because uh, if we look at my Twitter timeline here, just tweet at me. My buddy Troy tweets at me that he was driving down Highway 1. Can we show the picture of this? Can you show this, Spencer? Oh, <laughs> look says, at Spencer. He says, I was driving down Highway 1 in Half Moon Bay today in Pastor California Cottage. Trading must be good. The Triple D Ranch Road. Troy, why didn't you take that sign for me? That's an awesome sign. Oh, you're not you. <laughs> Do you know yeah, don't get in trouble. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't want you getting in trouble, but that is an awesome sign. If I had that, I would display that in my trading room here right now. Awesome, Troy. Thanks for sending no, me that. Troy, buddy. or is just from the Twitter sphere? That's from Troy in the, in the Twitter. I, th I think he's in. Troy's in usually in the chat rooms too, isn't he? I think Troy's in there. I'm not sure. I'm Troy, not are you in the chat room? Get in the chat room. Does it, does it say, uh, is there a sign that says no whining allowed out of Triple D Ranch Road? Ha, ha, ha. 
Then you wouldn't be invited, Joel. <laughs> All right, let's talk. <laughs> He's going to change the subject faster. Let's talk Amazon here. Holy mackerel. So if you would have told me yesterday that Amazon was going to be down 114 points, besides buying the straddle, I, if this, and you would also tell me that the spy would only be down 30 cents, I'd say craziness. I know. I... Market, incredible strength here in the face of one of the darlings getting hit hard. And it's not only Amazon getting hit. There's a lot of stocks getting hit here today. So you're going to see some major rotation. I mean, if the SPY holds up as much as it is, um, you're going to see some major rotation here today. And that's going to be into non-Amazon-related stocks, obviously. But I think it's probably going to go into a little more non-tech, too, because you get the Qs trading down a buck, obviously all off Amazon. But there's only going to be a lot. We've talked about this trade before, too. Like if you go and add up and do the math, which I haven't done yet, but if we do it quickly, Amazon and the Qs, let's see how much percentage it is. It's significant. It is almost 10% of the Qs. So when you get a fall of 6% in Amazon, you can just round and say that's about 0.6% on the Qs. Well, the Qs are only down 0.47. So basically the Qs aren't even down enough for Amazon right now. And you know Amazon's going to bring down Facebook, and it's probably going to bring down some of the other major tech darlings too, the whole thing. Google's down 8 bucks here in the pre-market. What does that mean? It means money is going to rotate into the non-tech uh, components of the queues. And I can tell you it's going to be stocks like Pepsi, stocks like Costco maybe, stocks like Starbucks. You're going to see those stocks actually not trade down, potentially trade higher, because the math has to add up. So if you look in the pre-market, Starbucks is bid up. You might wonder why. That's the arbitrage going on. Starbucks probably going to open higher today just because it's a non-tech component of the queues. I know it doesn't make any sense. And if you know if you're the Starbucks CEO and you went and told them, your stock's probably going to be up today because Amazon is down too much, they probably just say, what the hell are you talking about? Tell you, it's the way the herb works. So watch those stocks today, those non-tech components of the QQQs, even like the Mondelez and the KHC. Um, you know, these stocks could show a little bit of life here as long as Amazon stays weak and the queues stay where they are. If the queues start to tank, it could make up for it. But right now, the queues are not down enough to even account for Amazon. So other stocks have to be up because the math of the 100 stocks have to add up to the queues. All right. We've got You'll never learn that. and You never read that in a book anywhere, guys, unless I write the book. Is that going to be another chapter in your book? It should, it, it'll, it'll be, that'll be more than four pages. To explain all that and that would be a big chunk and i mean i make money trading off of this stuff those are the stocks that could be a little bit stronger here today and these trends everything can change i mean if amazon starts to really rally then that trade comes off and you actually see you know you see those starbucks and other stocks fall off so but if amazon stays weak and the queues stay where they are a lot of those other components in the qqq need to go up it's probably why cisco is trading higher here today why cisco is with this group I, you see this a lot you see Cisco move the opposite way. Cisco is definitely a tech stock. But for whatever reason, when you see this you know, phenomenon happen, and it happens when, when the big components report, like the Facebooks and the Amazons, the ones that have a huge weighting, you'll see this happen from time to time, especially with Microsoft and Apple and Amazon, because those are almost, well, a Apple's 11%, Microsoft's 11%, Amazon's almost 10%, 9.36%. So when you see a big move in one of those and the queues aren't making up for it, it's telling you there's going to be some other stocks that are going to move up here today. Um, not to change the subject, but what, what kind of shirt do you have on today? You don't like this shirt? First of all, you've complained about my shirt every day. But secondly is, look, it's a fun shirt. My wife bought me this one. I get a lot of compliments on it. What is it? Can you read it? It says, back in my day. 
Yeah, back in my back day, in day, you probably didn't even realize that we had nine plants. Did you realize Pluto's not a planet anymore? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I think I'm into space, you know, like that's it. Traders, most traders, you're kind of crazy like that. I'm in outer space half the time when I'm trading. So I'm into space too. You know, I like that kind of stuff. So All right. Right. big Stephen Hawking fan. All right, uh, Amazon here. Uh, the story in the morning, uh, earnings were light. Uh, earnings fell for the first time in, I believe it was uh, two years. This is, I guess, to be expected considering the, the cost of one-day delivery is higher than initially thought. EPS, I'll give you the numbers, $4.23 versus a $4.62 estimate. Revenue was a bit higher, $70 billion versus $68 billion. Amazon Web Services revenue was basically in line. But the real headline here is their guidance. They guided light for the current quarter. They said the Q4 sales guidance will be between 80 to $86 billion. $87 billion was the estimate. Stock is off the pre-market lows or after-hours lows. Uh, but we are still perilously, I say perilously with the caution word, below the October low of the recent move, which is 1685. If we can get back up and claim 1685, then it starts to get interesting. But I'd say as long as it's below 1685, bears are still in command here. So we're seeing Amazon down 111. Straddle writers are where obviously we talked about yesterday being 70 points. So they're making a little bit of money here. I don't know, Joel. I mean, this is a tough one. Uh, I'd love to own Amazon, my long-term portfolio, but the valuation has always scared me away. I mean, if you look for, they could make more money. Could you argue it's trading 50, 60 times? Probably. Is that where it's at? Where is the multiple on this thing? 50, 60? It's way more than the other ones, but like I'm talking the other major components like the Microsofts and Apples, but yeah. where are we? Where are we on the PE? I'd love to own Amazon my long-term portfolio, but I can't put it in there with a PE of 60. Well, the forward PE, I've got a 48. The trailing. Well, it's getting a, more reasonable. Trailing that, maybe that's based on yesterday's close, or is that based currently? Is that updating right now? 73 is the trailing PE. So. Uh, I don't know. I want to own Amazon, but I can't bring myself to buy the dip. Uh, well, should we discuss what we were talking about on the pre-pre-market show, the uh, Bezos divorce top? final <laughs> joel's got his theories coming give us this theory now joel you always got some interesting theories i'll give you that you get theories in your head that nobody else comes up with so give it to me it's just you know that divorce was uh you know final i believe um in july here and uh his wife got 38.3 what billion dollars in stock and stuff and she's just been dumping it this whole thing, <laughs> this is all Jeff Bezos' wife. This recent sell off. Yeah, I like to see. It could yeah, be a constant I, seller. She had yeah. some stock. Yep, yep. And uh, no, I just think you know when those sometimes when you see personal things going on. I mean, it didn't uh, work so well with uh, his little picture that he did in February. But uh, you know, just other things going on in his life and not concentrating on the company as much. And there you go. There's the Bezos top, and I'm going to equate that. With, uh, with Zuckerberg's face during that interview uh, a few days ago. But um, you just look at, I think the trading day is practically over in um, Amazon here. I don't think you're going to get back down to that pre-market low of uh, 16, 17, 80. I think when you pull back here, you're going to just find buyers. I really doubt, I mean, we're 50, 60 points off that low. And then on the upside here, right now the rally's been capped at 1685 and... Boom. I mean, didn't you That's say a big that, level. Was, that was the old low? Yeah. yeah. 
There you go. Don't tell me these levels don't come in. That's page three of our four-page technical analysis book, Support, Resistance, and Trends. That's on the resistance page now, that 1685 number, because we would write on there, old support becomes new resistance. Yep. Yep. One line. And, and the people that. who are going to be selling here, I mean, maybe there's going to be some long-term people trying to puke the position out in this $1,700 stock with no liquidity. But I think the people that are going to be selling it are the people that just bought, you know, they don't own it. They just bought the dip here. And they're just trying to squeeze as much as they can out of it. So I think that, you know, the, the bots and the people that bought it earlier here are going to dictate how high it goes because they're just trying to get out of winning positions. No one else has, I mean, the other people with winning positions on in the stock are longtime holders. Maybe if probably you, are still holding. Yeah, that are probably still holding. But day's over. Days over for Amazon here. That's <laughs> already priced in. I mean, that's why I like trading after hours. You get a lot of this price action where you can have big moves in stocks and you can get down dirty. Like I said, you know, we're, you know, on Tesla, trading that after hours on the report where you can make 10 points in about 10 seconds. I mean, when you're yeah. trading those headline numbers. Question, the, the other thing is when you get on the wrong side, it's ugly. So I've been on the wrong side of some of these big, big earnings moves too, and it's ugly as well, so. Anyways, going in the opposite direction and actually helping your cues out a little bit here this morning is Intel. And if we look, Intel is 2.73% uh, of the index, so a lot less of it. And it's, it's only up 3% here. Intel has been leaking the entire session, or at least for the last um, you know, few hours for the pre-market and the after hours, because this thing got up over $56, almost to 57 Just absolute silliness last night. If you're chasing these stocks like Intel up that much in this tape, you're doing it wrong too. Um, I wish I would have shorted it last night. I actually thought about went over, but went over 56. I'm like, this is getting silly. Um, and you know, it's come back in significantly already. It's already lost two thirds of the after hours game. So you think Intel's having a pretty good day? Not it's, as good as it was having last night. Did to give like old bad news a couple weeks, a couple quarters ago? No, that's why I sold the, the thing. I sold it. I had a long term portfolio at 50. I sold it at 50 because it came out basically and said the earnings were going to suck for the next couple of years. It's basically what they said. So they, they low, you know, they do the same thing. You know, they give you know, low, the lower expectations and then they can beat those lower expectations. And that's pretty much what's happened. Spencer Israel, what were the numbers for INTC? It was a beat on the EPS, a beat on the sales, and a guidance raise for the full year. Sales. And a buyback increase. Uh, oh. Yes, and, and that too. So a good headline across the board, pretty much. From yeah, quadruple good stuff there, but they're already leaking it, though. So that's concerning yeah, to me. I mean, the high's in. The day's the high's in. 56 and a half and it isn't getting there. It isn't getting to 56. It's not even getting to 55 in my opinion. I think it'd have trouble even if it got up near 55. I mean, if this thing continues to leak, you know, we've seen this, we've seen this story before. It's a tough market to be wow. buying rips in. You know, the dips have somewhat worked, but if you're buying the rips and you know, it's always tough. I hate buying stocks when they're up 10% because you're buying somebody else's profits. And a lot of times when the dust settles, these things come back in. But we have seen from this earnings season time and time again, a lot of stocks, not all of them, but a lot of stocks rip on the headline numbers, rip up, and then start to come back down to earth. And some of them actually go red afterwards. I don't think Intel's going red. It's a pretty good quarter with the buyback and everything. But day's over for this one, too. It's already had the big move. I mean, we're 50. possibly? Probably priced fairly. Day's over. Who would buy this thing at 56? I might as well just go home. Except I'm at home. You are home, yeah. Because <laughs> the day is over for Amazon. The day is over for Intel. All the price discovery has happened. I'll tell you right now, if, if, uh, if we still had the bright trading room, 
and we were trading these after hour earnings. I do. And, and, and someone and was trading Intel and they bought it in the 56 handle. I would rip them from their desk and I would throw them out of the office. <laughs> it's kind of mean, Joel. I would. I did. I mean, come on, some discipline here. What I, we need is a big sign, and this is for your newer traders too. And the sign's going to say two words. And this is going to be the page five of our trading book. And it's going to have two words only on the page. And those two words are going to say, don't chase. That's what those two words are going to say. I had this, you know, we, we remember Radar? Do you remember Radar that we're trading? If you listen to the show Radar, um, remember he was a trader that traded beside us, uh, beside me in the Bright Office in 1999. And he was chasing moves. He chased and he chased. Radar? Ray, do you remember Radar? We called him Radar. To his a nice face. kid. Really nice kid. He was my age. We were both like 22 or 23. Was but he, uh, he was chasing a lot of moves. And I was like learning the hard way from him. I was like, he'd hop on. where He was using NASDAQ level two, which was big back in 1999. And stocks start going one direction. And then he'd buy, and then it would turn the other way. And then it would go down, and then he'd short it, and then it'd start turning the other way. And he was chasing moves. That's what he was doing wrong. I hope he eventually figured it out. Maybe he's a great trader here now. I don't know. He was only in our office for about maybe six months, nine was months. It, was it Rashid? Not Rashid. This is when I first started 1999. But he was chasing moves. So, Radar, if you're listening, I hope you stop chasing. I hope you're a great trader now. Was, it, was he an oldie guy? No, he's a young kid. No, no, he's a young kid. He's like my age. Holy, your memory. You have oh. a good memory. I was supposed to have the goldfish memory. He told me his real name. I, mean, well, I don't know his real name. We just called him Radar. And he's going back 20 years ago and he's in the office for six months. And you sat all the way to the right. And then Rashid was to your left. R Rashid came after him. Rashid, Rashid, came, Rashid came the same time I did. But Rashid was trading the other side. And then Radar um, you know, ended up not making out because he was chasing too many stocks. And he was out of the office after nine months. And then Rashid moved beside him. He was the guy who was sitting beside me before Radar, or before Rashid. Okay, I'm going to have to think. Anyways, Rashid was my buddy. Hi, Rashid. He's still my friend. But anyways, uh, Radar, we hope, you, we hope you stop chasing stocks. So lesson everyone when we're learning. And I was learning back then, too. And I learned not to chase stocks from watching Radar. And I learned it myself as well. Whenever I would chase something, I was on the wrong side, too. Don't chase. So when Intel runs up 8 10%, don't chase. Don't just say, okay, now I got to go buy this thing for a swing trade because you know what? These things come back and they come down to earth. Chasing moves more often than not leads to losses. Yeah. And I mean, you could get, I mean, if you got run over trying to short this thing, then, you know, I'd say, hey, you know, you made an attempt at it, you know, shorted it at 56 and then covered it at the high or something. At least, you know, you, you tried it. But quiet consolidation here for Intel, really super quiet. Wow, look at this. So I'm saying 54. Someone's keeping the lid on this at uh, 54.60. I'll use that as resistance. And I want to get crazy about any uh, downside until you took out. Man, it's really tight. It's like a 60 cent range. Like let's call it 53.40 to uh, 53.40 to 54. That's your trading range day over in Intel. Okay, one other big report here to talk about. I'm going to go with Visa on this one. This was the one from last night. I know this first solar and Gilead and all the other stocks. If you want to talk about a specific stock, let us know. But I want to talk Visa because Visa is an interesting report because actually the numbers were not that great. We have another one of these examples where a stock gets hit on the initial numbers that aren't that great and then turns around and rallies the whole thing back. Again, don't chase, especially those people who are selling it down at the 170 support last night. 
right on the headline numbers. News algo chases all over the place. That news algo loses money. Who's running that news algo? It's, we need to start trading against that news algo all the time. Automatically trading against that headline news algo because it throws away money a lot of times. Last night on Visa, the numbers were not good on Visa. Give us the numbers, Spencer. Uh, I don't know what, what you're seeing, but what I'm seeing the numbers. I'm seeing the same thing. Okay, so I'm maybe the way I'm they broke the numbers. The, the numbers were okay. Uh, the adjusted EPS, a buck 47 versus a buck 43. Sales, uh, 6.13 versus 6.08 billion. So beat on the top and the bottom line in the Q4. How did that come across in the press release? Oh, I didn't because when I originally looked at, I see the adjusted numbers. I think it wasn't posting the adjusted numbers. I originally saw them miss. Maybe that's, that's why they hit it. Show the chart of Visa. They'll see, the algos will see the same thing that I, I saw. I saw an initial miss on the headline number. Can you post it, Joel? After hours chart Visa? Yeah, I, I've got the chart up right there. So wait. So uh, they also gave some guidance. Uh, full year adjusted net sales growth in the low double digit range. EPS growth in the mid teens range numbers were i guess okay but on the original headline whatever came that right there I, yeah i saw a miss and I, I didn't say miss but i saw something you know maybe there, there was an adjusted figure and then maybe the original number they posted wasn't adjusted but what i think the algo saw the same thing i did because i remember saying oh crap visa missed and visa falls off to where 171 yeah yep yeah yep. And then they, you know, the, the adjusted number comes out probably right after, you know, in the next, you know, boom, you know, seconds later, and then they buy it all the way back up. So anyways, that's where you got to look and you got to say, you know, sometimes those original headline numbers coming out, you know, aren't even the adjusted numbers. And then you got to do some human beings have to think a little bit there, but I'm pretty sure that I saw the same thing on the original. I mean, you know, obviously we're looking at a lot ahead. I'm watching Amazon, watching over, but I remember thinking to myself, I was like, oh, a miss. So I don't see it there now. I like I don't see it on on the original press release, but but I'm I think it missed originally, and it went down to one. And the algos are telling me that they saw something too there, so because it went down to one seventy one, and then like two minutes later, it's back to flat. So by the dip works again. You got to watch those headline numbers because sometimes the adjusted figures aren't on there, and it throws out the algos as well. Uh, this is a kind of no man's land chart here, uh, trading here uh, flat. Um, I'm not going to put so much emphasis on yesterday's range, but I'm going to keep an eye on this 178 ladder level. Uh, there was a pair of highs surrounding that uh, last Friday and earlier in the week. So rally, I'd look at 178 as potential resistance. Uh, on the downside here, I mean, I would use yesterday's low 73.40 as like a, as a minor support point. The thing is you drop off three bucks to 117. 18 after that so i don't know gap from yesterday resistance of 178 a little hard to predict the range in this one but it looks like it's just going to chop around today as well well this morning we'll go to the big dog the report was verizon it's trading slightly green nothing too exciting here what do we got for v zebra Yep, Verizon Q3 adjusted EPS a buck twenty-five that beat by a penny. Sales thirty-two point nine versus thirty-two point seven four billion dollars, so beat on the top and the bottom line in the Q4 uh, for Verizon. They guided their full-year EPS in the low single-digit range. EPS grew. Fine, the earnings were okay. That's yep. okay. Um, a lot of resistance in the mid sixty-ones. I don't have my book open. JV Spec, if you have your book open, I gotta imagine we got some size at sixty-two. 
because we're through 61. We've been through 61. I bet you there's some significant size up at 62, maybe even below that. What are your thoughts? There's significant size. There's someone that just wants out at 61.30 badly. I'm trying to open the book. JV Spec, talk about uh, Verizon. I know he's, he's sitting right there. What's in the book on Verizon? Because I don't have my book open yet. You snuck up to 61.47 uh, just a little bit ago, but then just go to those daily highs here. And uh, whew, someone just loves the 61.23 to 61.32 level. That's four of your last five lows. That's your area. Clear out the seller there. Maybe you get a peak at 62, but someone really wants out at 61.30 here. With some size, it's kind of interesting because sometimes they're at 61. Sometimes they're at 61 half. Maybe they're a true 61. Sometimes they hide. Yeah. Maybe they're just a true 61 seller. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh, man, I'm going to get a little bit more. Maybe they del- you know, they'll say, hey, we'll deliver, you know, 5 million shares to you at 61 tomorrow. And so, and they're just working the piece and then just going to keep the difference, whatever they sell. I mean, this is a good conversation for to have for two minutes. You worked big orders when you were with Oldie, Joel. How would you work these orders? I mean, you got a big piece to buy for somebody. How do you work it? Because you used to do that too. I mean, I actually guess you were more on the market maker side, so you were yeah. the then, but you usually provide the liquidity to the big orders. But, you know, just talk about working big orders, period. You know, how do you work big orders? I mean, you know, for this, you could just tell the way it is just by the way it's trading, right? I mean, if they put, you know, let's, I mean, could someone have four or five million Verizon in their portfolio? You know, a big easily. Easily, right? So yeah. if you want to get out there and you put five million at 61, they're getting down to nothing. Everybody's flying the stock. This thing's at 60 and a half on you in a second because everybody's right. scared that, scared the hell out of that or you're chasing right. it away from yourself. Right. And if you get, you know, one or two or three or four days to work the order, you know, and it's a not held order and they want an average price of 61, then, you know, you let it, you know, you put like, that's really, that's a sneaky seller right there because he's not at 61 and a quarter and he's not at 61 and a half. And right there, see, now who would think, oh, 61.30, 61.23. So, you know, they let it get above that level. They measure liquidity. You know, they put out 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, and then see if it's getting absorbed at that area. And then, you know, and then the, you know, the bots kind of sneak out, you know, oh, there's a big seller here. And then they knock it down under 61 again. Uh, but that's what you do. It, you know, you get a not held order. They want out of 61. And, you know, it, it's going to take more than a day or two or three or four days to, you know, to work that order getting done. So you, you get a little bit higher, you float out a thousand, see how that's received. You float out 2000, you see if that's gobbled up, throw out five. I don't know if you throw five, like if it's 61 and a quarter 30 in, uh, in Verizon and you throw that 5,000 out at 61 and a quarter, are you going to get done? Are they just going to scoop that up, Dennis? How much? 5,000? 5, 5, yeah. Not on the pre-market. No, what about the regular shares? I mean, you put 100 shares out there, it moves the price sometimes. It's ridiculous how the algos are so finicky. Like, I'll be trading some stocks, and maybe not necessarily Verizon, it's a thicker stock, but in the S&P mid-caps, you're trying to get out of a stock, and you, like, offer 200 shares, and the thing falls 50 cents on you. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous how much they're scared of real players. The market makers are so finicky, the high-frequency market makers. And you, you throw out just to sell. That's why the way I execute, and the way I try to execute if I'm in you know, thin stock is if I really want out, I usually go down about two-thirds of the spread. So if it's like a $0.20 cent spread, I'll offer it down like, you know, let's say the stock is trading 51 to 51.20. If I go and sell a 
on like, you know, if I'm trying to get like 500 or 1,000 shares, it'll probably take me down that low. But if I go like 5110, the 50, the 51 will trade out and then it'll be 51 offer. So usually about two thirds of the spread, it depends on your size too. I mean, you're trying to do two, 3,000 shares or not, but you got 500 shares or something, you go two thirds of the spread, usually you can get down on some stock. You usually can get down on all of that. So use that as a rule of thumb. So what I'm saying is on the wider spread stocks, so you trade AMD doesn't matter. Stocks are in a one penny spread, you can get out. But if you're in a thin stock and you're trying to work it, think about the two thirds of the spread rule. So if the stock's 50 cents wide, if you really want out, you offer it down about 35 cents, you get done probably. You know, so if it's like 51 bid, you offer 51.15, don't just go hit the 51. You don't have to give up that much edge. You go down to 51.15, usually they'll lift you on a few hundred shares anyways. So if you got like 10,000 shares, good luck with that. I don't know how the hell you work those orders now. Joe Saluzzi, we should have on here because Joe Saluzzi and Sal Arnick are champs. They figure out how to work that big size. Hard work and big size. Hard in this market. Yeah, it sure is. Um, all right, 829. We're just we got to talk PCG. Uh-huh. We got to talk these fires. PCG getting annihilated here again this morning. And seriously, it's down 29 more percent. With more fires. So what's the deal here? Yeah, uh, I'm seeing a, a tweet here from a Reuters reporter uh, that I'll just read it. His, his name is Robert, Robert Cryan. Uh, a new California fire appears, excuse me, appears linked to PCG equipment that was still on during the blackout. Equipment not old and inspected recently, but it doesn't matter. These new claimants would go to the front of the line uh, and the Bay Area faces a new blackout as a preventive measure for a windstorm. So there are new fires that are apparently linked to newer PG&E oh, equipment. It just can't be long, this stock. I mean, if it wasn't going bankrupt, I mean, there's just things happening like this and now more problems. I mean... Rule, okay, so we're writing the book here right now, guys. So we got like the first three page technical analysis. Fourth page says don't chase. Two words on the whole page. Fifth page is going to say don't buy companies that are bankrupt. And, you know, yeah, it worked for a little while. PCG when it went up to 25, still going through bankruptcy proceedings. But, I mean, in the long run here, it's not, you know, four months later from when we're at $25, we're at five bucks here now. Don't buy companies that are bankrupt. New rule. I like these rules. Rules of trading. This one, when it was hanging... Sounds in, simple. Don't yeah. buy companies that are bankrupt, but people do it. Yeah, I bet you, I don't know what the puts, you know, they're probably going to be so juiced up on this. I, oh, yeah. I don't know. I just don't know what to say. I mean, here, you know, definitely not a buyer. If I was short, you know, maybe trying to bring some in here. Where did it bottom before? I think it bottomed just under $5, right? Uh, right around here, 507, so, 507. So we're testing her. Yeah, if you're sure. I think we're eventually taking that out, though. Yeah, I think. Uh, maybe not today. Maybe today. Maybe we bounce the first time, but I'm not planning for a bounce. Yeah, I mean, what you what's your rationale for being long this thing here? It's you know? bankrupt, going through bankruptcy. They've already said that we don't know if there's going to be anything left for the shareholders, which is why it's come all the way down. And you know, in, in the case of you know a reorg. And, you know, you've got more wildfires happening here now. So potentially more lawsuits. I mean, there's so many reasons not to own this. It's just mind-boggling why anybody would want to own this stock, in my opinion. 
Okay. All right. We'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, where do we want to go? We got uh, four minutes here till we bring on Roggy Horner to uh, from Simpler Forex. Talk Forex Marcus. He also likes to trade stocks. So, looking forward to talking to Roggy in a few minutes. Let's do let's do Gilead here. That was sure from yesterday. Gilead Q3 adjusted EPS a buck seventy five, beat by a penny. Sales five point six. Billion missed by a hair, 5.61 billion was the estimate. They also narrowed their full-year sales guidance, uh, and they reaffirmed their uh, prior EPS guidance. You know what? This is just trading. Just it's the low multiple. It's a dividend play. It almost trades like you know, like a bond. Almost it's trading with a 3.9 percent dividend here now. I mean, this stock is very. Its beta is very low. I mean, look at the trading action in the last year. This thing has been between 60 and 70 for the better part of a year. It just doesn't move much. So am I selling Gilead down a buck and a half? No, it could come back. You know, it could come back eventually here for sure. And my, well, nothing's for sure, but um, it could come back. It could come back. I'm not going to sell it in the hole. Uh, am I buying it down here? If it got near 62, I'd be interested. It's a little bit in the middle of nowhere. But if you're coming in here and saying, oh, I'm going to sell this, I think it's going down another five points today, you got to look at your average trading ranges. This thing just Good doesn't point. move. So yeah. and that's another page in our book. Look at what your stock can potentially move. Gilead simply just doesn't move much. Uh, 64.20. Uh, let's see what we hit in the uh, pre-market. We hit 64 even. So 64.20. I see that as a, uh, a potential level. Um, under that, you did get under, I don't know, 64. I think that's in the area of the pre-market low. Um, stock doesn't move a whole lot. If you're looking for resistance here, if you sneak into the 65 handle, yesterday's low, actually a parallel is there at 65.53 and 63. So if I was trying a quick scalp on the long side, I'd be out there at like 65.40, 65 and a half, try and get done on a little you know, sweep up, maybe up after the open. But uh, Dennis, did you, did you finally wiggle out of this thing? I think your average downed in it. And then I sold at 85. Yeah. When I sold it the day they bought, that was a kite they bought Spencer. I can't remember. Yeah. That was a year and a half ago. It was a ridiculous pop. It went, you can see it on the candle. I was in, I think January of 2018. I think it was kite, right? Yeah. 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 And it went from like 65 to 85, like in a day. I think it went all the way to 89. Um, I didn't get quite the top, but I sold it out at 85. I was like, this is a ridiculous move. Too much, too fast. I'm like, I'm getting the hell out. And I sold it. It was a good sale. Unfortunately, I took that money that I bought from or sold from Gilead. And I put it in Allergan. <laughs> and Allergan was a dog, so I ended up losing on that anyways. Allergan obviously eventually got taken over, so I got a lot of that money back too. But still, uh, it was definitely a dog, so... I remember that though. GILD, uh, just too too big of a pop, and they they thought, oh, we're buying the growth. This is what they want is growth, and they paid overpaid for growth. So, SP slipping a little bit here, uh, down two bucks here at three double o two and a quarter. Uh, yesterday's low ninety eight seventy five. Uh, that's what we're looking at. Texas Linda uh, asking about Tesla uh, the day after here, and I mean if you if you look. I'd use yesterday's low. It did sell off a sure. little bit, but it did come back. But if you're trying to protect some profits from the gap up, you know, look at this 89.20 uh, level. That was a low from yesterday. Eight bucks away from it. 
there, you start to fall in the gap. I'd like to get a little bit of concern. I use today closing price, 299.68. That's my big number today. Maybe even if you're thinking this is going to roll over, I think it has a chance to roll over unless you could close over 300. You know, close over 300, get two closes over 300, and boom, and then take out that 308 high. So big psychological number. The close right there at 99.68. Let's see if uh, Tesla can close over 300. I like that 289 low. So if you're long, I would lean exactly where you're saying on yesterday's low. Give it a little room, you know, 288, 287. But say it starts trading through 286, I'd get the hell out. So that's what, if I was long this thing, you give yourself 10 points from here. And you try to hope for the next wave higher. Spinner thinks the next wave is higher. I think it could be two. I think there's a lot of people caught in this. So I think it could continue to climb. I don't think it's going to sell right off. I'd be a buyer of pullbacks, but I wouldn't want to have an out. I always have an out. So I'd say 285, 286 is where my out would be if I was long. All right. Uh, waiting on Raggy Horner to join us here. So okay. in, the, in the meantime, let's just keep on with the earnings parade. Keep on, keep it and on. Go to First Solar from this morning, FSLR, reporting Q3 uh, EPS on a, on a gap basis of uh, 29 cents. Sales, $546 million, down from 676 a year ago. They also reaffirmed their uh, full-year uh, sales and EPS guidance. It sales is around $3.5 billion. EPS is around, is around $2.50. Boy, macro, did I just sneak out of this one just in time that day when it was – what was the, the headline that day, which was ridiculous? What was it? The day that it popped up on, on October 7th to the 62.88 high. What was the, the headline? Uh, let's go to the – can't remember. Pro. What was the day? It was something with maybe tariffs or something. October 7th. October 7th. Uh, eliminates exemption to solar import yeah. tariffs. Okay, so something with the tariffs. And anyways, you have saw so some solar, the China one's going down, the American one's going up. And I was like, I'm using this opportunity to get out of the stock because I was wrong. It was too early on the trade. I almost got my money back. I ended up selling that day unbelievably. And that doesn't happen very often. But right near the top, I think I got 62.81. The high was 62.88. I got out of the long-term investment and tanked that day. That was one of my best sales in a long time, getting near the high on almost the entire move up. I mean, this is it. You know, when you're in a dog and you get a nice pop, sometimes those pops are the opportunity to get the hell out of the dog. And, you know, I didn't do it in the Nokia case when I had climbed back to five and a half and get punished for it. But when you're in a dog of a stock, sometimes, you know, you got to use those pops to get out. And that's what happened here at First Solar. And the stock's been a dog since. Still like, I like the solar industry long-term. I think there's going to be a buying opportunity here eventually. So I don't think I'd be coming in here and selling it at 53 today. Um, you know, I'm almost interested in rebuying those shares that I sold at a certain point in time, but it's come so far. I almost wonder if it could go under 50 now and it's out of favor. I mean, the sector is out of favor here right now. Canadian solar has come from 24 down to $18. You know, you can look at all the Chinese ones too, like Jinko solar from 23 down to 15. Um, SEDG, which seems to be the best in space, is just unbelievable. It keeps going up no matter what. So you can see who the leader is. Um, I don't know why, but, you know, you, obviously who the best in the space is, that's one you'd want to own. If you own it, I mean, congratulations. It's been unbelievable that it's going up when all the other ones are going down. They're obviously doing something right. Interesting 15-minute uh, chart here. You had a spike down to 5101, right? And then you popped up to 5505. And ever since then, you got a step-down seller here. He wants out of the stock. He wants out bad. Uh, or she, um, you have had not one candle here in the last 
since that 4 a.m. open, you've had a lower high in every one of those 15-minute candles. Not sure when they're going to mop up the seller here, but uh, they're just being patient with offers, knocking it down on the daily chart. You also have taken out the recent low of the move. Recent low of the move was at uh, 54.07, so I'll use that as resistance to the pop. But right now, someone's selling stock here, and uh, they're just, just having offers and offering it down and hitting bids. All right, I do want to go to our guest right now, and I'll, I'll bring her on right now, uh, Raggy Horner, as we mentioned. Uh, trader at Simpler Forex, she trades Forex, uh, Forex she trades stocks. Uh, she trades a lot. Uh, Raggy, uh, good morning. Can you hear me? I sure can. Good morning. How are you? Good. How about yourself? It's a good morning. I'm glad it's Friday and uh, looking forward to <laughs> the shenanigans of the day. You sound good. You, you got a like, good computer system there. Doesn't she sound better than... Uh... So I'm very, very clear. You got a good microphone, I guess. I guess, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mess around with audio, especially when that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, we don't talk about the dollar a lot. Uh, we, you know, we talk stocks. We talk a little bit of futures and stuff here. But we get a lot of questions about the dollar. And I, you know, I just don't follow it as much. So I don't like to you know, have an opinion on things that I don't follow. But I think you do. And you like to trade it. So the dollar had a really nice run. And uh, we pulled back here. So obviously a lower dollar is good for a lot of our multinational corporations here. Is this a pullback in the dollar here, just a buy the dip opportunity or longer term change in trend? When I look at the dollar, I think, of, I think of two things and it probably takes me back a good 12 months. And that is really, do I wanna be long Euro? And I think a lot of dollar conversations end up being sort of isolated to the dollar when in the reality of Forex or currency futures, it's always a comparison. What would you want to be long the dollar or short the dollar against? So if I can't find places that I really want to be short the dollar against, yen would probably be the only one I'd entertain the notion of because of a possible rollover in equities and, and so forth. If I don't want to be long euro, that actually forces me to be long dollar. So that's just another way to look at long dollar, but I'm still a dollar bull and, and pullbacks have been my bread and butter. Okay. All right. So uh, you're looking at, I'm looking at the UUP here, which uh, is the uh, instrument. Do you, I mean, you, you're out there in the actual currencies, right? Do you do, you do anything in these ETFs at all? They oh, seem to have pretty good volume. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the ETFs because most of the time when you bring up currencies, you know, most people, the hair, the hair on the back of their neck stands up because a lot of folks are uninterested right now in Forex and that's fine. I mean, obviously we can go the, the futures route with DX futures or as you mentioned, UUP or the Euro FXE. So the options chain on UUP and FXE looks great. And a lot of times when traders ask me, Rog, how do I play the currencies? but not Forex. And I'll say, hey, go with the ETFs. FXE is great for playing the Euro and UUP is great for the basket, but it's only about 58% Euro. So the rest of it is some fairy dusting of a few other currencies. So it's not as pure a play as say playing Euro against uh, US dollar as say FXE would be. And what about, I mean, it's just funny how the, you know, the complexion or what the market focuses on you know, changes. I mean, weren't we like in a full out recession, inverted yield curve? Uh, you know, we need to go to negative rates. Wasn't that like what, three, four weeks ago? <laughs> you know, I, I think when I look back at 
you know, all these years of watching different inversions. To me, the, the actual inversion, number one, uh, and I don't know if a lot of listeners know, and if you guys, I'm certainly you guys have seen it over the years, but the typical time from the inversion to a recession is at minimum about 120 days to max close to four to 500. So the idea that we invert and then, we, you know, recessions around the corner, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is really not necessarily timing wise correct. And also there's a lot of false positives on those inversions. In fact, the best way to reduce the false positive on an inversion, you know, causing or, or, or really uh, forecasting a recession is to wait for it to invert, uninvert, and then reinvert. And actually, we have seen that. And that brings you almost to a 100%. But the truth of the matter is, recession or not, I'm still looking for a, a pullback, a decent pullback in the equities markets, even if we don't go into, you know, two-quarter sequential GDP, no growth, you know? Let's move over to the equities markets here. And uh, as we pointed out, trading, I mean, you know, we've had our ups, we've had our downs, but pretty much a trading range, S&P, you know, in the same range. At the up, we, we made incremental uh, new highs and then, you know, have these like V bottoms now. But, you know, what do you, I mean, we're up here. I mean, this is a great time. We're at a great point in the market because you've had to move up to an area which has been resistance. And, you know, you can look at it both ways. Like, oh man, we're really hanging in here. We're holding 3,000. Great consolidation, continue the trend. Or, you know, this is like, man, oh man, you know, we're getting up here, we're holding up here, but the fact that we can't get through is a negative sign. So tell us what you're, what you're looking at for the key to the next one. I know what I'm looking at in the S&Ps, what's your go-to indicator here to see whether or not we're busting up. 4,000 in the S&Ps or down to 2,000? <laughs> hey, Joel, I'm going with the man-on-man oh man trade. Um, I definitely am one of those traders who believe what we're seeing right now is distribution and that we're just going from one end of overbought to one end of oversold. So when I look at the lower end of, say, the S&P futures specifically, I know we're looking at the SPY on the screen, but basically what I'm looking at is 2850, which would be just above that 280 level on S&P. If we get down to that level like we did in the beginning of October, I'll be a buyer. And when we get up to the levels up in this area, I don't buy typical S&P weighted, NASDAQ weighted stocks. I start focusing on pullback buys and things like utilities or the ITB ETF or XLRE. I start looking at a lot of those trades that are doing well because of the short yield long bond trade. So I don't think we fall to 2000. I don't think we go to 4000 either. And I think, you know, if, if headlines are why we keep, you know, really think about it this way, this is the way I look at it. Short, short sellers like myself are basically being scared from short selling because we don't know what the next trade war hyperbole narrative is going to be. But with the repo, the not QE, QE, phase one, even Brexit's phase one. And if that could not get us through in the level I'm looking at is 30-30 on the S&P, what on earth is this market waiting for to break to all-time highs? And that adds a level of overbought pessimism to me at 3,000. So, Raghi, you're buying uh, the, the defensive sectors on pullbacks. Um, are, are you looking at the ETFs, looking at individual names? Sure. So if I'm looking at, for example, the XLU, um, and this is something I've done because I've been in Florida for 36 years, 
when I when I get into the beginning of hurricane season and 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 NEE, which is Florida Power and Light, Nextera Energy, um, that's the number one weighted stock in the XLU. Usually around the end of May, beginning of June, every year, I put on my I live in Florida hurricane trade. I'll typically get long NEE. But since last November, December, I've been long the TLT. I look at the bond, I look at XLU as a bond proxy. So not only am I long the number one weighted name because of seasonal reasons, the NEE, I'm long TLT because long bond short yield, that, that trade's taken off and I'm still in it. So that all culminates into, hey, XLU's got two great things going for it. The bond proxy buy and the NEE seasonal buy. So that's one way I look at it. Uh, if we, we were to take a look at ITB, which is another name I've been long in for about 10, 11 months, and I continue to buy pullbacks in. You know, if you look at the weighting of ITB, we could even focus in on some of the heavily weighted names. I would stick with the top, say, six or eight heavily weighted names of the ITB and, you know, be long those individual names or just cast a wider net and get long the entire ETF. It's just been a great performer. And when you notice that the equity markets, let's say XLC communications are, are pulling back and, and the S&P are pulling back, you'll notice names like XLU, XLRE, ITB are all moving higher. So this to me is a great place to hide out if like myself, you think 3,000, 30, 30 on the S&P is gonna cause a, a bit of a rollover. Sorry, Rocky, before we let you go here, we like to talk about uh, a lot of education and stuff and good trades and bad trades. We're not like on everyone on Twitter. We have a lot of losing trades. Is there, <laughs> is there, I mean, you've been in the markets for quite a few years. Is there one trade or series of trades that kind of shaped your, your discipline or your mantra in the markets? And I mean, I kind of, I kind of laugh and joke with Dennis when he talks about his losing trades. I talk about mine. Is there something that you could pass on to our listeners uh, from your years of being in the market, something that like sticks out in your mind and uh, has shaped your, your uh, metho methodology? Yeah, I love it, Joel. So if there's anything that I still find is the touch point of everything I do, it's stick with the trend. If there's not a trending market, then I'm usually gonna be looking for somewhere else that there is. So as much as we might be talking about, I might be talking about the S&P distribution, it really is the ITB, uh, GLD, gold, um, it's TLT or the ZB futures for the 30 year. It's really those places that I feel I still have a better uh, trend. So sticking with the trend's a big deal. Every time that I really made a bad mistake and lost money in the market, again, lo losing money to me is not the same thing as a mistake, Losing money, as we all know, is just part of it. But it's usually been wandering into choppy markets where I don't have the advantage of that trend. And gosh, um, over, over the last 30 years, uh, the, the mistakes, oh gosh, are, are numerous. But every time it's because I've um, treated a trending, trade, you know, ignored a trending market and favored a choppy one. Choppy markets kill accounts, chop kills. So that's, that's, my, that's my two cents. I like that. Rocky Horner, as you mentioned, is a trader at Simpler Forex. Rocky, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks for having me on. I love sit listening to you guys, and I really appreciate it. All right. Have a good one, Rocky. Take care. All right. Uh, 8.50 here on the nose. Uh, so do you want to do more earnings, or I have a couple of uh, trivia questions? Uh-oh. that time? I'll let you guys decide. you want to do more is earnings? Is that time? We can do more earnings if you like, or we can do some trivia. 
let's uh let's do a little hot potato. We we uh, we skipped it last week. We'll do it. It's a short thing. See if Dennis can uh, knock me off my undefeated perch. All right. <laughs> I beat you last week, didn't I, or two weeks ago? I think it was two weeks ago. <laughs> no, we didn't have last week. Potato, no, I don't know the arm's working. Potato, All right. Potato, potato, potato. So the theme of this week is trick or treat. Oh, oh, my boy would rock this. Bring the five-year-old in. Okay, Dennis, put your chats down so you don't cheat. Uh, so, so, so here's the thing. Chats down, Joel. Question, I don't cheat. Questions are divided up into, into – I worry about you, though. You did one. Oh. I know you did. Okay. Questions are divided up into treats. These are questions that are about things that you guys both know about, easy questions. And then tricks, trick questions related to – most of them related to the market in some way. So <laughs> I like that. The, I'm already confused. The treats are worth – That's nothing are, new. The, the, the treats are about things that you would know, that things are, that you guys know about in your life. Those are worth one point. Trick questions are worth two points. Uh, I'll start with you, Dennis, and I'll, I'll give you a treat just so we okay. get an idea of like. If I get the treat wrong, I'm gonna feel really bad, though. You're, you, yeah, you're right. All right, <laughs> th- all right, Dennis. In what year did the Edmonton Oilers enter the National Hockey League? This is this is a treat, but they started, and and I've got to just look and say. So they were in the WHA definitely in '78, and I believe that they started. I'm going to say 79. Oh, you got it, man. Oh, it was 78 or 79, and I was like, I was three years old at the time, but I'm pretty sure 79. That was a little bit of a tough treat. You, you got it. Yeah, if anybody wants to join us at the Edmonton Oilers Wings game, Dennis is buying tickets for the <laughs> buy tickets. They're in Detroit on Tuesday. We're going. All right, All right Joel, here's a treat for you. Here's a treat for you. Who holds the Michigan record for most attempted passes? The Michigan record, yeah, for most attempted, most attempted. It, it was in the nineties. I'll give you that. Question. Um, I would have to say Elvis Gerbach. See, I knew he would know it. All right, there so we go. Willoughby Hills. How well do you know your teams? <laughs> there we go. All right, one point each. You. Let's go to the, the tricks now. Um, Dennis, where was the first stock exchange in the U.S.? Like physically located? Yes, physically located. What year? I like don't how have, how long uh, are we going it, back? It, when it, was the first stock exchange? I, I'm ever? afraid. Of, I'm afraid if I if I give you the year, I might give it away. Eighteen yeah. hundreds. Like no, when was he the said first? He's not giving you the year. I'm afraid. Dennis. I'm afraid if I give you the year, it it, it, it will be a here. I'll give you the year. It was 1790. Oh. 1790. <laughs> That's 200 years. It's 230 years ago. So you don't know. Can I get a steal? No, I'm going to say uh, – well. Don't say California, Dennis. Well, so what? Well, you want to know what state or what did you want to know what city? What did you want to know? The city is, is, is important. I would – okay. I'd right. have to say – I think it was the yeah, – I don't know. Dennis, give me an answer or, or don't. California. <laughs> Pacific Stock Exchange. Joel, Joel, Joel please steal this. Um, if you can. Plymouth, Massachusetts. California was around oh, in 1790, wasn't it? The answer is Philadelphia. Philadelphia Stock Exchange. Yeah. Well, I had the P right. I was thinking right. Pacific Stock Exchange. All right. This one is really hard. You're right. California probably was. I don't know my right. American history. Right, Sorry. Joel. I'm Canadian. Okay. All right. Um, I'm focusing here. 
So yeah. it's one nothing me, right? No, no it's one one. Stop cheating. It's it's one one. Um. All right, Joel. Who was the first CEO of Tesla? This is really. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. So this is a trick question. Yeah. So it's not Elon Musk. That's apparently that's, not. That's correct. If he gave you that one, I would be throwing up. That lady right that was just on TV. <laughs> Great guess. Uh, no, uh, unfortunately, th- this was hard. I'm sorry. I've never even heard of him. Uh, well, he Who was, is it? He was one of the founders, Martin Eberhard, and he was one of wow. the Marty, Marty Eberhard. Uh, okay. The Martian. Martin. Uh, we should have known Martin. Let's do. Great um, TV show. Let's do another uh, trick. I'll, I'll give this one to Dennis here. So Dennis. Another trick. I, I don't even know. If it's, oh, it's fine. Let's do it. I, I don't even know if it. If Man, it, you come up with hard questions. I know. I'm I, doing them next week. I don't even know if it's a trick question, really. But uh, Dennis, what internet-based uh, company that IPO'd in '95 is credited with starting the dot-com bubble? What internet IPO, I guess, is credited with starting the dot-com bubble? Pets.com. Nope. '95 is, is is the year that was not uh, a '95 <laughs> IPO. Joel, do you know? Internet-based company or internet company, I should call it. Internet company. Um, it was uh, Napster. Oh, you're close. You're close. It is Netscape. Oh, Netscape. Netscape. Uh, remember Netscape? Uh, I knew uh, it. I knew it. Remember I that? I do remember Netscape. I get a half a point for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, you don't. Okay, I only. Oh, Joel, fix your camera. Um, oh, I banged the yeah. desk. I banged the desk. I trouble. I, I only have one more. I, I didn't have a lot. I, I, I didn't have a lot of preparation this week, so I only have uh, one more question. So that was to Joel. So I'll give this one to uh, Dennis here. For the win, Dennis. All right. Um, let's, I can steal. Let's I, hope it's a, I hope it's a treat. No, he's making um, a hard one. No, it, it's not a treat. Sorry. Uh, I, I, only I one you, treat for each of us. I, I gave you both the easy one in front. Okay. Uh, Dennis, the, uh, in the 1980s, um, a consumer goods company uh, funded a coalition that campaign to push back daylight savings time so it wouldn't include halloween for that year that it, it would they would just push it back till after halloween to they were trying kids. to get rid of halloween no 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 they were trying to give kids more time an extra hour of light they wanted oh. to push it back to after halloween it, it, it's a consumer goods company that campaigned to push daylight savings time back till after halloween you know what that company was or guess that company mm. The answer is no. Okay. I don't know. That's Can a hard question. Yes. Procter and Gamble. Very close. Oh. Very close. That's a great guess. It was actually Clorox. Oh. But that I should was, have just guessed a big one. That, that was a really good Clorox. guess. I've never um, guessed Clorox. So, we, so. I, so I'm still undefeated, Dennis. Wait, I, I had another one and, and I lost it. Um, oh, here we go. Um, All right, this is for the win, then. Sure. Uh, which publicly traded company right now produced the first – Individually wrapped candy. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. It's a candy company. Hershey's. Well, it can't be Hershey because that's a treat. That's no way. It can't be that easy. No, this is a no. Hershey is a is a great guess. Hershey is wrong. I'm gonna go with Tootsie Roll. That is right. That is right, Dennis. I got it. You got I want it. Beat all. I'm, I'm he pulls no it out. I'm done. That's pulls all. Pulls the rabbit out of the hat at the last second. That's all I got. No more, baby. No more Boom. Down goes Frazier. Let me see that Tootsie Roll. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> I traded that stock. Yeah, I traded Tootsie Roll. Tr. Really? 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Let's I've traded it. everything, Joel. <laughs> okay. Um, Except oil futures, you know that, which Brent? I thought I did. Tootsie Roll? Brent didn't even know Tootsie Roll. I, I would have beat Brent. Nobody can beat Brent. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's get some final thoughts here, guys, as we head into uh, this weekend. And a quick imbalance look. Uh, Twitter, if you're wondering where it's trade up, 279,000 shares to buy in Twitter here right now, TWTR. That's why it's trading up a little bit in the pre-market. That's the opening imbalance. If you want to look the other way, PCG, 284,000 to sell. It's probably going to get uglier there because obviously the stock's trading down a dollar and a half here, although off the lows here now. Morgan Stanley, 50,000 to sell. Bank of America, 85,000 to sell. The TLT is trading higher. That is usually not that great for banks, although it's not up much. Um, um, that's about it. That's about it. Um, well, Cajun One says we need new contestants, and I, I oh, yes, 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 do that's that a great. We, we are going to do this. We're going to bring on two guests. Yeah, from a great point. Two guests. Yeah. Or are we going to get some people from the two chat? people from the chat? Yeah, Joel. We're bringing Joel, on two people from Joel, the chat for next week's. I think we should do that. So here's what you should do: if you want to be a contestant on uh, Hot Potato, I guess we're calling hot it that now. Segment, yes. uh, email premarket at benzinga.com. Okay, we're all on that email. We will all get it. Do I get that email? Yes, you get Do that I email. Do I get that email? Yes, you get that email too. You get it too, Dennis. <laughs> you guys just don't check your email, but I do, so it's okay. Well, so, it's funny. Paul and Monica tweeted out something, you know, and looking at it, and he's like, I just can't stand it when I have an, an email unread. And then I tweeted back at him, and I looked at my iPhone. And I have the little 482 number in the corner of my uh, little mail app. <laughs> all right, so if you're interested. So that means 482 emails not read. <laughs> email premarket at benzinga.com premarket as in premarket prep at benzinga.com uh and we will coordinate that uh do you want to thank our guest i'm going to check that email too so i'm yeah. into this <laughs> you email us you've never checked how it about before. how about spinner versus aviator one he's never checked his email before and he won't now spinner aviator one Hey, email us. Email. Everyone email us. We want to get some of these. We want to do it. Um, I want to remind you about the Weeble Weed Trader competition. It resets on Monday, the third week of the contest. You can win $11,000 worth of Amazon gift cards and a grand prize. A Tesla Model 3 or $40,000 towards your student loans. Just download the Weeble app to learn more. Thanks to our guest, Raggy Horner. Thanks to all of you in our chats. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Catch our podcast or watch us on YouTube if you missed the show. Everyone have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.